Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Gridiron Blitz right here on Apple Podcasts and Blog Talk Radio. Your host, Oscar Lopez, in the house. We're going to be talking WFA and IWFL Week 1. We're also going to be talking a lot of women's gridiron news and notes and updates. We're in Victoria, as well as the XFFL in Texas. Uh, and we're going to talk international news of, of events that are happening overseas uh, in Sweden and Finland. Um, so, a uh, a lot of information in terms of the women's uh, scope and internationally as well as in the states. And we're going to be also talking to uh, Mike, um, Mark Staferi, and we're going to be talking Canadian f- women's football, which is the WWCFL, the 2008 season kicking off in May. And we're going to be talking to Laura Brown, the owner uh, and head coach of the Minnesota Vixen, the D2 WFA team. And uh, they've started off week one, 46-0, a very impressive outing in week one this season. So we'll see how that, you know, works out for week two. But we'll talk to her about the 20th anniversary, along with the Sharks, uh, historic franchise, and how they're going to uh, try to make an impact in D2 this year. St. Louis out of the picture. Um, So they got an opportunity to really, um, you know, make an effort into the playoff mode. Um, and then, you know, we're going to talk to basically about what's happening next in week two, what to expect for the upcoming week. So uh, very, very, very interesting uh, two hours that we have planned. So we have Laura Brown in, in about an hour here. We got Mark Staferi talking WWCFL. So let's bring in uh, the idea of a former IWFL quarterback, championship quarterback, Louise Bean. How you doing, Louise? Hey, how's it going? I'm doing great. Um, so we're going to touch base. I don't believe Troy's going to join us today, but uh, if he does chime in, probably in the next hour, but uh, he has some stuff that came up. But uh, overall, it's just us going here for a little while, and then uh, I believe you're bailing on me for a little bit, right? Oh, I'm just, uh, just got to get off early at the end. Oh, no worries. That's fine. We can handle that. Um so Louise, let's let's go IWFL right off the bat here because that's where you know we were uh, ranting last week, and somehow <laughs> we actually get a schedule on the website. So I I, you know. know, I only I thought I only had like two listeners, but I'm assuming I got more than that. <laughs> so maybe the message got through. Um, but uh, you know, it was good. So let's start. Let's talk IWFL. Your Falcons take care of business on the road in Los Angeles, which was expected. I don't think anybody expected they were going to go on the road and get beat. Uh, I'm, I know I love Bobby, but even Bobby knows uh, how deadly your, te- your former team is. So uh, uh, no surprise there for you, right? No. I'm, and, and so because I help with the stats and the travel, I see all the film. I see all the pre-film um, for the film that the team prepares. They use I – mean, a lot of good teams use film. So we use Huddle. And um, – our coaches are really good at studying film, and then the girls are required to study film, and they have to have a certain amount of hours of film watched and stuff like that. So uh, we, they didn't expect to lose. 
you know, it's a they've lost the Falcons have lost once in four years. So you have each player has a lot of confidence in what they're doing and what the scheme is, and they feel really confident they're going to win. So there's a lot of power to that mentally. So I mean, they beat Vegas, and Vegas was a pretty um, pretty decent team for a uh, for a new team. And then they went to Cali and took care of business, and everyone played, and the three units played, and you know they just did what they were supposed to do. So they're, everyone's excited for this week because it's Holly's team. That's probably why Holly's yeah, on tonight. And I'm going going down for the game. So, yeah, no, Holly is uh, – I'm pretty sure Holly's up to it. We've been talking about this for almost 12 months now since the schedule, yeah. you know, came out. And ever since they oh, transferred yeah. over, she knows. She knows this is this is the, the Seattle Majestic's big test. Um, they, yes. they obviously took care of business, right, against Nevada. Yep. On the road they as well. They did. I watched their so, film too. Yeah, so they did a great job game. there. So now mm-hmm. now we have two uh, pretty even competitive teams. The only intangible here is speed. Speed kills. I don't know if Majestics have speed. We will find out. But uh, that's the only advantage I think they would have. Um, what did you think of your replacement, The uh, her outing? Well, Oh, I thought, you know, this is their second game that she's starting. Um, she played a lot last year. So uh, the, sister, the she's on the black platoon, so she starts the game. And last year she was on the blue platoon. So, um, But all three platoons played. So she's actually been playing quarterback for two years. So this is her third year. And then Sarah Gallica, this is her third year playing quarterback. Now they've always played other positions, and, and they still do, except now Liz Lang can't play when you're quarterback, then you're pretty. When you're the starting quarterback, then you are contained, so you can only play that position. So, yeah, I thought she did a great job. Um, they're getting better at the passing game. You know, the Falcons don't throw a lot. Um, but against better teams, you got to be able to throw, or they just put too many in the box trying to stop the option. Um, I talked to Holly about their game, and they had not had a preseason game. So she was feeling like, oh, man, I wish we'd had a, I wish we'd had a preseason game to work out some kinks. But – Listen, I know that both teams have had this date circled on the calendar. I'm going down for it, um, and it's a big deal. It's a big deal for the Falcons in the sense that we've always felt that because we play in the other league, uh, we don't get the same respect. No matter how many games you win, no matter how hard it is to win all your games, we just don't feel like we get the same respect. And that's understandably so. Um, And so... Uh, for the Falcons, if they win, which they're planning on it, because that's just how they're trained, then they feel like they'll get some respect. Heck, I I feel like that just because I've been part of the organization so long that I will that somehow we'll all get respect. So for the Seattle, yeah, I think it's, it's just, I think it's better competition uh, in the eyes of everybody, and I think yeah. that's the key right there. That you know now yep. the perception is okay. They're gonna they're going up, up against a you know. WFA, if you want to call it yep. a WFA staple, um, and we'll see totally. how that works out. Um, so now that you know, yeah, it's, it's really going to be the big test. Yeah, because yeah, you, know, so you, you know, you guys, have, you guys have you know beat Austin consistently, Carson consistently. There's nobody in your league basically that can can come close at this point that would even equal right. out besides Austin. That's you know played their hearts out the last two years in the finals as well. But this mm-hmm. is yeah, this is big time, and you know I. I wished it would have been, you know, Texas elite 
uh, one matchup during the during the uh, regular season, but yeah. we'll have to wait obviously yeah. for playoff playoff mode, and so that's well, going to be also exciting. Play them. Yeah, they would only play them in the championship, just the way that the brackets are set up. No, that's and what so, I mean. That's what I mean. Is yeah. Hopefully that will change, you know, maybe next year it will change to where maybe it's a, a two-game slate, one home and away, uh, to make it happen. But, uh, you know, because make, of everything that happened in the offseason, so. Oh, yeah. For the Falcons, it's a big deal that San Diego and Seattle joined because, they play, like you said, they played everybody else and they've killed everybody else. So, yeah, you want a new challenge. It's really hard to always be motivated for a team that you've always beaten. And so well, your goals and you have know, to change. And you know, Luis, you know, uh, the teams you're talking about are Pittsburgh passion-like uh, offenses. So that's yeah. that's one of the keys, you know. And that's that was your only loss, basically. And, and that yep. was even, you know, in an edge mode. So, um, yeah, everybody's looking forward to it. I think uh, Hiroko mentioned it. You know, Christina mentioned it. Scott's mentioned it. They're all up for it, you know. Oh, there's going to be a lot of fans. They have a lot of fun things planned for the day. Uh, they're having a longer halftime because the girls' league, they're going to have some uh, scrimmages during the halftime. Of course, they always have the mascots that come as far as the foundation that the team is involved with. Um, and, yeah, Seattle's coming down and spending two nights. Heck, we only get one night stay when we would travel. So <laughs> that's, a, that's a great thing for them. And um, we have Russ, you know, Russ uh, Crawford, the guy that's been doing interviews. He's flying in with mm-hmm. his wife. Um, so, and we have, um, we have billboards. I don't know if you saw that, but they have billboards yeah, on the Yeah, I saw freeway. the billboards. And that's huge. And so uh, – the BC Diva quarterback that we interviewed, Amanda, she's in town for work in Salt Lake City. And so I said, hey, you should go to the Falcons practice. And so we got it all work out. So she's there right now at the Falcons practice tonight, just nice. hanging out and visiting. I said, hey, we got to get you the proper swag because you can't be coming to the, and not have the proper swag. So she said, hey, I'll be Very in fun. my Diva uniform, <laughs> uh, swag. And I said, hey, we got you hooked up. So she's there right now. And, uh, you know, it's just good public relations. It's just, it's just, um, it's women's football. None of us are getting paid. So let's just have as much good positive things that you can have. And well, you know what? The state's been really good. Uh, the, the state's been really good to the team. Uh, and I think, yeah. uh, you know, it's one of the, if we ever get to that pro level, it, this may be one of the teams that, you know, get to that level. Because it would be like the Utah Jazz mentality, you know what I mean? The only team in the, yeah. in the state. So that would well, work out pretty well. Well, the state recently, I don't know if I told you this, but the state recently granted the Falcons, uh, last year they hosted the championship uh, to the tune of $30,000. So this year they just granted the Falcons a every year grant of $30,000. As nice. long as they, See, they But they deserve viable. it. I mean, yeah, they deserve you know, that's a lot it. I mean, the whole money. organization deserves it. <laughs> Yeah, and that, and I'm pretty sure that there was a lot of conversations about it. You know what I mean? But yes, excellence deserves recognition, and I think that's you know that's that's votes well for for the team, but it also votes well for just women's sports in general to have a team recognized, especially in in, in a sport yeah. like women's football that gets probably little to no press. So it's nice that the that the state mm-hmm. recognizes that excellence. Well, and it's a it's a tribute to the organization, the foundation of the organization, the people that set it up, the 
the Women's Excellence to Life Foundation that they're under, and then the coaches and the girls that are on the board, and just so many people. It just excellence doesn't happen just overnight. And even if you're good, it doesn't. It, it's like the tree that falls in the forest. No, right, noticing. right. Yeah. So it's nice to be noticed and to have that feel that appreciation. And and thirty thousand sounds like a lot of money, and it really, really is. But everyone knows that. Uh, and, and it's it's year-to-year basis, depending on the viability and if the team is honorable. Because you have to turn in a – you don't just get the check and get to spend it how you want. You have to no, right, right. have a, uh, a oh, plan. Like an accounting. Yeah, an accounting, right, a right. budget, stuff like that. So it's not just a free check. Yeah. It, it is in that you can spend it how you'd like in certain ram- spheres and ramifications. But, I mean, yeah, that makes a huge difference considering it costs us 30000 each year to go to the championship to take the whole team. And then last year it was 30000 just to host the championship. So, yeah, it's a lot of money. It's a big, big deal. I mean, when I found out that the state, because uh, my sister actually was a part of working with the state and um, was with the Senate, when I found out that they had done that, I actually got choked up because it meant so much to the fact of my efforts personally, so many people's efforts to bring recognition to the sport and just a lot of hard work. So, we are so happy to host Seattle, and we're in a great spot um, in, like you said, the support and the things that we can do to promote the sport down there, and it's just it's going good. So we're excited. Congratulations we to the Seattle Falcons, your, yourself, all the pioneers, you know, that came before the current roster, and obviously the players that are continuing to maintain the excellence. So that's awesome. Congratulations to everybody mm-hmm. in Utah because it doesn't get nice. there, like you said, just like that, it, it takes a lot of time and effort and a lot of, you know, uh, contacts and networking and all that other stuff. And people believing oh, in you. So many. That's ultimate. <laughs> yeah. The, the belief the is ultimate. Things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so what we're going to do is we're going to touch base on the rest of the slate in the women's game. Uh, we got action in Victoria, which <laughs> there was an upset. Uh, Western Crusaders upset the Croydon Rangers the undefeated Corrin Rangers. So that means they are six and one now in each that puts a neck and neck for the top spot in gridiron Victoria. Uh, Melton Wolves, their first uh, win with a huge blowout, 68 to zero against Monash Warriors out there. Uh, the Ballarat uh, Kessels drop to the Raiders, 34 to 14 sets up next week in gridiron Victoria, huge matchup. It is Croyton versus the Raiders. Raiders must win here to keep, neck and neck for a playoff position. The uh, Crusaders, if they win, they would go up on Croydon uh, because uh, next week, Western, uh, yeah, Croydon and Rangers, uh, Croydon and Raiders meet. So it's a crucial game for both of those teams. So we'll talk about that in the late on the hour. But um, let's go into the huddle, sponsored by Zazzle.com. You get cool T-shirts, leggings, and gifts. You use daily codes, save big. And you can even go Zazzle Black for free shipping for about 10 bucks. So at Zazzle.com for Sasha Gridiron Beauties. Really appreciate everybody uh, purchasing our No Joke Football Throwback T-shirt this week. Uh, awesome sales. We sold about 10 shirts uh, off of uh, a lot of feedback from Twitter as well as Facebook. So uh, hats off to everybody. Uh, we are going to be able to send out two more shirts to our wish list that we have online. Um, so uh, we'll be announcing those folks as they get their shirts and posting them up on our social sites. So uh, thank you, everybody, for going to the shop. Take advantage of the daily codes. Uh, last week's daily code almost up to 40% off on a, on a uh, three days 
40% off. And so uh, normal is about 15% off. So you can uh, use the daily code there and take advantage of 15% off via Zazzle. Zazzle is worldwide, and we appreciate them supporting us. They've been supporting us for almost seven years now. Um, so we are more than happy and gracious to have them as our worldwide supplier of No Joke Football gear. So let's go into the huddle right now in, and talk to the uh, always talented Mark Staferi of the Allow Her to Play in Fourth and Feminine. And we're going to be talking WWCFL Canada Act. So, Mark, let's see here. Mark, Hi welcome. How you doing, Mark? Well, I appreciate you making well, the time. You're on with uh, championship quarterback, two-time champion, Louise Bean of the Utah Falcons. Oh, hey, how you doing? to speak to you. I'm good, thank you. Mark, uh, I wanted to bring you on because we are about to kick off Canada football. It's not CFL, but it is WWCFL, so it's pretty exciting. Sure. Uh, I know you've been covering women's hockey exclusively as well with, with the uh, leagues in Canada, and you're probably a busy bee as it is as well. So I just wanted to chime in and try to get you, you know, get an idea of what we're looking at for this coming up season. Um, it looks like the Riot and the Valkyries, uh, this rivalry continues, and we got the news that um, Saskatchewan, both of the pro teams in Saskatchewan gave a $10,000 donation to the Riot and the, and the Valkyrie, which was very awesome news. Oh, definitely. And, of course, I know that uh, the, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, um, the last game in their uh, home stadium before building the new one this season – it actually featured the two women's teams. Uh, their uh, playoff game was actually the last game ever contested in the Rough Riders' old stadium, and that's definitely uh, another great example of the history and uh, the great connection that's going on with these great franchises. Mark, are you surprised that in Canada, unlike in America, the CFL has begun, has begun to embrace the WWCFL as a more of an asset and a, a building block towards drawing more fans, maybe on the female end of things? Oh, well, there's no question. That's uh, huge. I know that uh, in Winnipeg, um, there's two female football teams there too, the Fearless and the Wolfpack. And uh, I know it's happened before where some of the girls from the team actually worked there in the off season, uh, just on game days. And I know, too, that uh, in Calgary with the Rage, a lot of the girls were involved, too. Sometimes it was just as ticket takers or as ushers, even directing parking. But at least there was that connection there. And I also know that because some of the girls also do charitable work, they have occasionally had uh, CFL players make appearances, too. So there's no question that it is a, a great way to connect the community. And I think that in terms of the fan base, it really does make a big difference. Now, Mark, in Canada, unlike the NFL, it seems like in the States, we haven't accepted that on an NCAA level or any type of level. We haven't, the men's mm -hmm. side I'm talking about has not accepted mm -hmm. the women's game or embraced it. It is being embraced in Canada. So, do you think we're going to make a faster road there than we are in, in the United States? 
Well, it's hard to say. I mean, even though I would agree that uh, the NCAA and the NFL, there could be a lot more get to be done. I do think that the presence of women as coaches like Jen Welter, I think that it is slowly happening. But I think that the difference in Canada is that because hockey is so dominant, you know, all the other sports have to work twice as hard just to get attention. And I think that especially uh, when it comes to football, because a lot of different regions, the school boards can't even afford to have uh, football as a competitive sport. I think that there's just a much tighter sense of community there. And I would just say that the way football goes in Canada, it reminds me of women's hockey in the States where you see a lot of the NHL teams uh, really showing support for women's hockey. So I think that it's it's just a question that it's going to take a bit more time in the U.S., but I do think that it's headed in the right direction. Mark, uh, we talked about the, uh, the situation in Montreal, the Blitz. Uh, obviously, get ousted from the IWFL, get ousted from the WFA. Um, so we talked about how that transition is going to happen. They're going to probably try to set up an Eastern Canada football league uh, with some scrimmages and stuff like that. Um, Mm -hmm. So you followed the Maritime. uh, You followed the WWCFL. Do you believe maybe Montreal, once it gets built there, will be a good fanfare right there in Ottawa and in in Quebec? Oh, absolutely. Um, I know that uh, in Quebec in the last dozen years, um, football in some regions has actually been almost as popular as hockey. And in terms of participation uh, at the high school level between boys and girls, uh, it's been unprecedented. And I know, too, that um, in Quebec there has been a lot of recreational women's football teams. So I think that if the Blitz can build its own league – considering how many girls are playing flag football at the high school and university level, they have a big enough talent pool to start developing a league. And I seriously believe that the Maritime League, it would be really good if they could somehow be absorbed into that type of a league. Because I know that uh, in major junior hockey, uh, it's not uncommon for teams from New Brunswick and Nova Scotia to travel to Montreal for games. So I think that for women's football, if the Blitz and the Maritime League could make something work and form a true Eastern League, it would definitely stimulate the game in Quebec and create a lot more teams as well. Now, uh, Mark, uh, the the situation in the WWCFL is the amazing growth. And as you're talking about the community work, the leadership behind it, uh, so that in itself sets an example for a lot of other leagues internationally to kind of take an eye on. So they have had some very good rivalries between the riot and the Valkyrie. And now we have, we're starting to see a rivalry between the rage and the storm. Um, And so I think that that's a really good, good message because the Prairie conference and the Western conference, Prairie conference has literally owned this league's uh, championship swings. Um, yeah. But I think the Western Conference really needs to step up coming up. So Calgary's is very infused with it. Uh, the Storm has been in and out of the playoffs as well, and they they understand championship, how to get to the championship. 
So um, yeah. it seems like this year we we might be seeing the rage return like they did pretty strongly la- uh, last year. I totally agree with that. Uh, one of the things they did was uh, they got a, a free agent, very notable signing, uh, Wendy Iwasa, who played on Team Canada last year. She was a member of the Lethbridge Steel, and uh, she jumped onto the Rage this year, and uh, she's uh, on defensive end. That is a huge acquisition for that team. And I know that uh, Emma Goldsney, who uh, played with the Storm, she was another Team Canada member, and she's had uh, overtours from the Rage as well. So there's no question that they are making huge strides, and I really believe that the Rage are going to be the team representing the West in the final again this year. Uh, hello? Hello, are you there? Yeah, yeah I'm here. Uh, no, oh, okay. I'm right here. Yeah, I know, Mark. I, I'm saying uh, the WWCFL is uh, it's a very good model for you know, a 10-team, 18-team league. They've done really well. Yeah. They've even brought back the Northern Anarchy, which was in and out the last two seasons. Yeah. But now they're somewhat stable. So um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and uh, pass it over to Luis here to ask you some questions. Sure thing. Hey, so I – now, Canadian girls don't get paid, correct? Exactly. Okay, so when you talk about signings, um, mm-hmm. that's just in theory. I mean, I mean, I guess they have contracts and things like that. Yeah, well, exactly. It's, uh, it's just a fancy way of saying they joined that team, changed okay. allegiance. <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay. And now, uh, I know Canadian football men, they have a little di- bit different rules, but do the girls basically stay with the same rules as, the, as college Americans and, and, or NFL variations? Uh, to a degree. Um, I mean, okay. there really isn't uh, a firm contract, but it, it, they tend to, uh, because of the whole situation with no compensation, they tend to try to stay as close uh, to home as possible, so to speak. Okay, so they're more aligned with American or Canadian rules. Which one? Well, in terms of rules, it's Canadian. Okay. Because they do, yeah, they do try to have the the hundred ten yard field. Mhm. But uh, one thing I would mention, though, because I know um, Oscar brought up a great point that the league is growing. Well, last mm-hmm. year, as as you know, Vancouver was the host city for the uh, women's worlds. Yeah. And I think that it's an, it's integral for the growth of the Western League to have a team in British Columbia one day. Okay. Um, what do I people know. say? Of, okay. Keep going. Oh, no, no, please go ahead. So what do people say about, or do people not say anything? I'm just curious about the idea of Johnny Manziel playing in a Canadian football league or a team. Well, I... Well, I know that uh, any time that an NFLer comes here, I know it's a pretty big deal. Like, I know when Michael Sam had signed with Montreal, I know that mm-hmm. generated a lot of media attention. And there's no question that um, because of the Canadian League, it's even though the, uh, the popularity is unprecedented and it's better than it's ever been, it's always looking for that uh, extra bit of attention from the media. 
So to me, somebody like Manziel, that would definitely generate a lot of interest. But I also know, too, from many years in the past as well, um, when these NFLers come up here, if they don't do well right away, they don't get a lot of interest in the long term. Okay, yeah. Hmm, interesting. Uh, yeah, it would be fun to see what he en- ends up doing, just because of the nature of the comeback attempts and things like that. Um, I also saw on your Facebook page that you're a writer, mm-hmm. correct? Yes, absolutely. So I read several of your articles, and I thought oh, they were terrific. actually very well done. Well, thank you so much. And not everyone's a real good writer. There's a lot of people out there that think they are, <laughs> but you're you're real pretty good. And you know, the, well, this the age you. of blogging, and you know, everyone wants to be heard. But yours are really good. Mm-hmm. So I was curious on what sport do you like to write about the best or the most? Well, to be honest, um, because of where I live and the the prominence of the hockey, of course, that was really mm-hmm. the the first sport for me. So. I mean, obviously, it's it's the one I'm most passionate about. But at the same time, because I know that the women's game on the gridiron, it's still growing, the fact that I've really helped to, to be part of that growth somehow, it is something I'm proud of as well. So how do you decide what you're going to write about? Do people reach out to you? Do they ask you? Do they pay you? Do they beg you? And Or how do you decide? <laughs> No, to be honest, uh, it's. I wish it was like that, but it's not. Uh, <laughs> after, even after all these years, uh, I'm still the roving reporter, and I still have to go out and ask people, no matter how well I know them, I still have to go out and ask. Um, the one mm-hmm. thing I would mention is because I'm, I'm, I'm known among so many people now, uh, it's definitely a lot easier to, to get their attention or get their cooperation I mean, that's definitely a key element, but uh, a big aspect of my writing, it's always been about the players and not so much uh, the game the game recap. I've always believed personalities drive the sport, so I'm always looking to write about players themselves and things that I think are more interesting. Right. And I know that's really... I mean, in the last year, it was somewhat easy because there were over 30 new players on Team Canada. So that gave me a lot of content. But there's no question that I look more for the personalities, and that's really what interests me. I want to try to get to know the athletes as people. Yeah, well, that makes it more interesting, and that's what I think helps draw people. The product's important, and then also the people that are playing it. Um so if you were a hockey fan, did you play hockey growing up? I mean, everyone does maybe up there? Well, yeah, everyone does, of course. Uh, I was a goalie okay. growing up, but uh, no, never good enough to turn pro. Okay. So hockey was but, what you did. Absolutely. But uh, it's just one of those things where uh, throughout my uh, academic life, I had always been told I was uh, very good as a writer, and some people did feel I had a, a bit of a gift. I don't know about that, but writing was something that always interested me. And I know that because over the years, a lot of people I had known had become very prominent in the game. And a lot of girls I knew in university had gone on to have good careers. That definitely motivated me to stay involved. And obviously, with my work as a writer, I 
it's something that a lot of the girls have told me that one day they can show their grandchildren the article and it'll help them understand what they were like as athletes. And that really means a lot. Oh, for sure. For sure. For each athlete that you've interviewed. So if you were a hockey guy, how did you get into the female football side? Well, to be honest, it was a complete accident. Uh, One of the first major uh, writing jobs I had was with Bleacher Report. And uh, oh, okay. even though I was doing, even though I was doing women's hockey for Bleacher Report, uh, what happened is around that time, uh, the Legends Football League established a Canadian division. And because I had never really heard of the LFL before, and I didn't know a lot about the sport, I had uh, tried to do a bit of research and learning about it. And uh, at the same time, uh, when it comes to Bleacher Report. Um, because it's an American site, I wanted to right. try to uh, add some Canadian content. And um, even though I know the LFL is a bit controversial with some people in football, to me it was always about uh, just pushing Canadian content. And the focus was always on the athletes as people and not as some type of a sex object. And mm-hmm. that's really where... That was really my first, uh, pardon the pun, first exposure to women's football really happened. Hmm. Well, I definitely think it drew attention to football and girls playing it, that's for sure, uh, the LFL. Um, because tackle's mm-hmm. been going on for a long time. And, er, uh, yeah. The tackle uh, in full pads has been going on for a long mm-hmm. time, but obviously that's grown a lot. So, um, you know, it wasn't until I was, hanging out with Oscar a little bit more that I realized Mm -hmm. that there was just football everywhere all over this world and sometimes it's almost you know, Oscar's lucky because he speaks Spanish so there's all this stuff in Spanish everywhere and I I can't even keep all the leaks straight it's just everywhere (laughs) which it's just amazing to see the interest and the growth in the sport even though in some ways it's still in its infancy in certain aspects but um and then, and, and I, to be honest, I had never heard your name before. And then I read a lot on on uh, social media having to do with football, and because I played it mm-hmm. for a while. And so when I came, when I started reading your stuff, I said, "How the have I not read this stuff?" So anyway, <laughs> you introduced me to some good writing, and and uh, and I'll let Oscar take over from there. Well, that's very kind of you to say, and it's been a, a privilege to talk to you today as well. Thank you so much. Okay. And Louise. Uh, Mark's also on, uh, it's uh, Canada, um, I think it's Canada Football Chat, right, Mark? Canada yes, Chat Football. Yes, indeed. Yep. So that's where you contribute a lot of the articles as well, not just on the women's side, but other aspects of of uh, the sport as well. Um, so, Absolutely. Um, he started out, I think, your first, Mark, if we recall back, was it uh, Allow Her to Play? Was that your first blog? And then you went to Fourth and Feminine? Uh, yes, Allow Her to Play was the first blog. Um, I'll admit, because this year was an Olympic year for hockey, I didn't focus on fourth and feminine. I just wasn't able to. But I did remain focused on Canada football check because of all the Team Canada content. But you would be correct. Allow Her to Play and then, of course, uh, Bleacher Report, those were the two key starting points for me. Now, I will tell you, Mark, as well as everybody gets praised once in a while, you are very praised for uh, contributing, as you pointed out before, 
something of a piece that a, a memento for somebody to showcase in a family mm-hmm. forum uh, to, to, you know, my grandmother played football. Oh no, she didn't. Here it is. Mark Staferi cover her in yeah. whatever yeah. year. You know what I mean? It's like, now it's like a, a piece of proof, you know, it's out there. Now. <laughs> yeah. She did play football. Uh, so that's kind of neat. Don't you think? Like, it's like sort of uh, puts you in a, in a position where you contributed and not just in a, in a sport mentality, but contributed to some sort of family legacy. Oh, absolutely. And I know, too, that uh, what a lot of uh, girls in sport, because they're not compensated, a lot of times they only play two, three years, and then they uh, drop it because of real-world obligations, of course. And for a lot of them, those articles, it's something that they look back on fondly. They'll show it to coworkers. And uh, it's something, again, that uh, it's really great to know that I've played a part uh, in their athletic role like that. And I will tell you, you know, a lot of the players that I interact with uh, on the CES, uh, on the, the Canadian uh, Women's Hockey League, as well as the NWHL, um, a lot of them that you've done some features on are also in the same boat. Very grateful to the fact that, like you said, you can cover them. Uh, shorter, shorter careers in hockey, a lot more, I think, than in gridiron in a lot of ways because of the mm-hmm. nature of the aggressiveness of it. But uh, I think they yeah, and, uh, will you know, be in the same light. Oh, yeah, and, and you know, uh, an intriguing fact, um, there's actually more concussions in women's hockey than there is in NCAA men's football. So there's no question oh, wow. that for a lot of these girls, the, the careers may not always last that long because of that. Should we ban girls' hockey? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> We're trying to ban youth football. Let's just go ban girls' hockey for concussions. No, I'm just, oh, my God, politics. <laughs> Anyways, um, are you looking forward to, uh, Mark, are you looking forward to this riot, Valkyrie? Uh, just, is, this, is, this is basically your uh, big matchup of, of the year because you start off on May 5th. We get the, um, the Rage Against the Steel. Uh, Lethbridge, yeah. uh, Lethbridge has been a staple in this league in terms of going to the finals as well as with the Storm on the western side. Yeah. But the, the real marquee matchups I think that every fan in the WWCFL is looking forward to is obviously that Riot-Valkyrie matchup because that is literally the, uh, you know, the, the 12 rounds. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's definitely the league's bread and butter. And I know last year uh, three girls from the Valkyries uh, actually jumped ship and joined the Regina Riot. And I know that was uh, a bit controversial, but, I mean, it, it was – there was good class and sportsmanship on both sides, but there's no question that it is uh, an intense rivalry. And I always thought it would be really interesting to see how one of those teams would do uh, playing against a uh, WFA team from the Midwest. Yeah. Or Utah Falcons. I'm just kidding. Utah Falcons. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We'll see that. Uh, No, but Go ahead, Luis. Oh, there's actually uh, was an effort to play one of the Canadian teams um, a couple years ago, and I can't remember which one. We had a player on our uh, team, the, Sarah Gallica, that had a friend on one of the Canadian teams, and they were going to come down, yeah, it, and I don't know what happened with it. Yeah, it was uh, – the, the name was the uh, Okotoks Lady Outlaws. Oh, that does sound and they, uh, 
Yeah, and then the year after, they were supposed to play again, and they didn't. They were going to rename themselves the Foothills Outlaws. And I know one of the coaches, one of the coaches on the Lady Outlaws, he actually did have a background uh, with the Buffalo Bills, oddly enough. But uh, for whatever reason, that didn't materialize. And I thought it was too bad because the Outlaws, they really had the potential to really solidify the presence of the West in that league. And they had a lot of different uh, two sports stars. A lot of girls from hockey had played on that team. And I don't think that team will ever come back now, but I definitely feel that it would have been really great to have seen Utah play the outlaws. Yeah. It's just everything costs money. We actually have only had one hockey player, former hockey player uh, that had played on the Falcons. And she was awesome because they don't have any issues with contact. <laughs> and, yes, of uh, course. <laughs> it was great. It was great. And she, we always laughed because she would go out to midfield in the warm-up and she would stand there. Really nice girl, right? Super nice girl. Didn't have an attitude of any kind. But she'd go stand there and she'd just stare at the other team as they warmed up. And then she'd turn around and walk back. <laughs> she would just stand there. So uh, she was a great player. Hey, that's intimidation right there. One player, hey. Don't cross midfield. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a and, Yeah, And I know, too, in Saskatchewan, a lot of the Valkyries, uh, again, very similar story. A lot of them had that hockey background. Uh, because there is no pro hockey team in Saskatchewan, a lot of these girls, when they're finished college or university, they still have that athletic desire, and football is the vehicle for them. And I think that's been... Uh, uh, really great for the team to be able to uh, mesh those two sports together. Yeah, definitely. Well, I can tell you that the leadership in the WWCFL has progressed every year since its birth, and now I think it's at an all-time high. Uh, I know the the, uh, the Riot and the Valkyrie uh, leadership has continued to increase uh, and, and based on the support from the local CFL teams in the in that mid region of Canada, I think it's helped a lot, as you were saying, with community fundraising and efforts and getting the word out. Oh, definitely. And I know too that uh, in Manitoba, if one of those teams, uh, the Fearless or the Wolf Pack, if one of them can be a bit more competitive, I think that would be a, a huge boon because. The Fearless, they actually play their home games in the Blue Bomber Stadium. And uh, that's a uh, brand-new state-of-the-art facility. And for those girls, it it really gives them a major league feeling. And uh, in the city of Winnipeg, there is a a girls' football league. Uh, It's called the MGFA, Manitoba Girls Football Association. Which uh, we know very well. Yeah. And one of their uh, alumni, uh, Julie Sprague, uh, she was the first alumni to try out for Team Canada. And uh, even though she didn't make the team, because she's just 19, a lot of people believe she's going to be the future for Team Canada. And if there is a Canadian who is somewhat comparable to Sam Gordon, Julie Sprague would definitely be that name. And, you know, the, the MFGA... The MFGA has done so so much great work, just like the Utah League has, and they were the first, of you know, to come up with a program like that. And they're pretty much the you know, the the bench 
of what it is to, to make a program grow. And they've, they've been doing it for a long time. Yeah. And the lady who uh, helped build up the fearless, uh, she was the one who worked tirelessly with the MGFA as well. And I know a lot of the women on the fearless and even on the wolf pack, they've had their daughters play in the MGFA. So I mean, that's really one of the most heartwarming elements of football in Winnipeg. And it's something that doesn't get talked about a lot, but it's really unique to see these uh, generations uh, participate in the game together. Louise, you want to add anything? You know, is that – so I've I've seen uh, the articles about the Manitoba Girls League. Are are we talking the same Mm -hmm. thing? Yeah, the Manitoba Girls Football Association, yeah. Okay, so you said it's separate. These are different, correct? Uh, No, they're uh, they're the first – they were the first league uh, similar to what Sam created in Utah, but they were the first to create that program. And now it has grown, I think it's a couple of years now, right, uh, Mark? I want to say over yeah. seven years or nine years now. Um, so they've grown oh, a lot. Years. They got a junior division and a senior division now, right, um, and put exactly. together now. So it's pretty mm-hmm. standard now to, uh, like Mark says, sort of a draft type of mentality now for the local WWCFL teams. So how yeah, many girls do you think pot- play? I'm sorry. Oh, well, right now I'd say there's about uh, 200. And I know that a few years ago they did organize a trip to play in uh, the U.S. I think it was in Florida, if I'm correct. So uh, there's a couple of hundred girls. And uh, I know that uh, it's something that uh, is really becoming a big part of Winnipeg's uh, social and sporting calendar now. Wow, that's really And they went to Indiana to do the uh, the USA versus Canada this past summer. So they were in Indiana as well. Yeah, definitely. I'm amazed they can travel so far because the little girls in Utah, they have, I think they have 300 this year, and they're not going out of state anywhere. So that's amazing. Well, what well, they well, did is they, they, they set up a team, and then they, uh, they set up a team in Indiana with the Indiana Tackle uh, Youth League there. And then they right. ended up uh, selecting players in Manitoba for a junior squad and a senior squad. So that's how they mm-hmm. drove down there. That's just still amazing to me that they're that organized um, and they have that ability to do that. That's just awesome. Well, I know that uh, the lady who runs it, uh, again, very dedicated. Football is 24-7 for her. And I know that – uh, locally, they've done a, a lot of work, too, to raise funds for these girls to go. And I know the parents, it's a big commitment for them. And, uh, you know, you can't credit them enough for what they've done, too, because they've shown the support and they've also been part of the travel and the fundraising. And it, it really is a, a true team effort. How do you think it compares to – do you have a uh... – how do you, I'm trying to figure out it, if how do you think it compares to American girls playing and the parents' response versus Canadian. Do you feel like you have a handle on that? Because I don't have a handle on the Canadian side. So, Well, it, it's really hard to say because I've never really focused a lot on how it works in Indiana or in Utah. I, my focus has been primarily north of the border, but uh, 
Okay. I, I would have to, but I mean, I, I would have to imagine that uh, both sides share a, a genuine love of the game, and I think that you know one side might be developing quicker than another, but. I, I think at the end of the day that all these leagues are able to share ideas, and I think that that's really the most important part of it. Well, very good. That's uh, I didn't know they were that developed up there. I just had only heard of the Manitoba, and so that's very cool. Yeah, and uh, the the Manitoba Football Association uh, has uh, basically made the arrangement with player uh, Pro Player University to try to get the the girls at that level for fundamentals. So that happened, I think that's this past month. So they're going to, they'll be striving for that as well to try to get, you know, some of the camps in there a lot more frequently. Um, They've done a great job with that. Um, Mark, you do have, you do have a point there. Um, So, you know, if the Winnipeg, uh, the Wolfpack or the Fearless do become as competitive as maybe the Rage or the Storm, then we will see a three state type battle. And then uh, oh, one of those teams contests. So somebody needs to contest the Valkyrie and the Riot. When we get to the moment where one of those two teams, the Fearless or the Wolfpack, get to that level, this is going to take this league uh, another notch. Oh, it certainly will. And I know, too, right now, I mean, Alberta is very competitive. And even though I think Calgary is the class, I mean, any team can take it. And right now I think that, Again, once Manitoba catches up to Saskatchewan, uh, it's really going to be a very high-quality type of competition. But I really think that for the league, I really think that if they could... A few years ago, they did talk about Vancouver as an expansion site. And I know cities like uh, Kamloops and Fort St. John, they are closer to the Alberta border, so it would be better for travel. But... I definitely think one of those areas, uh, Corner Brook is another one that sta- or Cranbrook is uh, also another good BC city. Those are areas they should be looking at, maybe for exhibition games or clinics. But I think that it, it will truly be a Western League once British Columbia becomes part of it. Well, you know what? They're they're in good standing because if they're working with the Rough Riders, the Stampeders and the Bombers, mm-hmm. at some point, yeah. the BC Lions might just be inclined to support that move that way. And I think the travel is probably the issue more so because the oh, other states absolutely. are so close. And so that minimizes the travel. Um, so the travel mm-hmm. cost is less and things like that. So, But to your point, yes, mm-hmm. if they ever get to that west, way western side, this would become mm-hmm. someone of a national league, a nationwide league, way bigger. Um, but it, you know what? It's been it's been growing ever since, and it's been mm-hmm. very successful. The rivalry, the riot and Valkyrie rivalry, is is kind of like, uh, you know, now you no different than you know Boston Pittsburgh, no different than Boston DC uh, type of rivalry in the WFA, oh, yeah. you know, or Chicago mm-hmm. Boston. This is this is you know if you're gonna watch if you're gonna watch WWCFL football, week mm-hmm. two is going to be the, the, where you need to be, and that's going to be in, in, uh, uh, at the home, in Valkyrie's home. And then you're going to be going to the rematch uh, week five in June. So the two dates mm-hmm. you should mark down on your calendar if you're in Canada to watch, week two and week five, because it's going to be Valkyrie's riot. Um, so mm-hmm. we'll be all over it this, this season like we were last season. So, Mark, mm-hmm. I really appreciate you making the time. Uh, continued success. 
thank you for keeping up with the uh, league and giving us insights and knowledge as well. Really appreciate it. Uh, you're one of our uh, insiders as well as with da uh, Darren Sankey out there in the Midwest uh, of Canada. And so uh, we really appreciate you making the uh, effort to come on today and with your busy schedule and everything. No, it's my pleasure, Oscar. Thank you so much. So, Mark, uh, let everybody know where they can follow you. Uh, you're on Canada Football Chat, and then also you're still yeah. on the two blogs, right? Yeah, I'm on uh, Allow Her to Play and Fourth and Feminine, and they can also find me on Women's Hockey Life. And that's on Twitter also at Women's Hockey Life. Is that WH Hockey Life? I think it was. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, so check out Mark, and then mark your Twitter handle for them to get in contact with you or anything like that. Uh, it's uh, at MarkStaff100. All right, Mark, thank you again for your time. I really appreciate it. Uh, we'll uh, keep tabs. Uh, looking forward to the season and see how it transpires. Maybe uh, at this point we'll have you back on uh, before the big clash week five in June so we can talk about it, see where they, everybody stands you know, one week before the playoffs, because that's going to be pretty much the crucial last week of the season, week five, where everybody's kind of kind of fight for their uh, playoff berth in the quarterfinals and then also in the in the uh, conference finals. All right, have yeah, a great I'd travel uh, time out there and safe travels, and we look forward to your, your article Thank you so well. much. Thank you. Take care, Oscar. Have a great night, Mark. Thank you. Thank you. So, uh, Luis, uh, that's uh, Mark Steferi. Uh, uh, we have been networking with him uh, on a couple of years now. I want to say more than four years. Really awesome guy, wow. really good relationship, very professional. Um, he covered LFL Canada for us. He covered uh, Legends Football League, uh, you know, key, key stars, uh, allowed her to play fourth and feminine. Pretty awesome uh, blogs. You've read a couple of them already. Very uh, intuitive with the player side of things, the story of the player. And he does an amazing job with women's hockey in Canada. Um, it's one of those things that he's passionate about. And a lot of the players that we interact with are very appreciative, just like you were mentioning before about, you know, somebody can show an article and says, yeah, look, I did play football. And here's the article from, you know, Mark Steferi, who actually, mm -hmm. you know, did a, a spotlight on me or whatever. Um, but he's done a great job with that. And we always bring him on every year, kind of, spotlight the WWCFL and kind of give us an idea as a fan as to, you know, what you're looking forward to. But week two in this league, um, it's going to be, I think, May 12th, if I'm correct. Week two, it is the uh, uh, Riots versus Valkyrie. And that is the matchup you want to watch if you're going to cover, if you're going to watch the WWCFL. Then it's going to be week five because the playoffs start week of June 9th. So week five is June 2nd. And that's going to be the Storm, Rage, Valkyrie, Riot. So whoever wrote the schedule here, I can tell you that right now, that last week, if everything pans out, it will be, you know, uh, the western side of Canada, which is the Calgary uh, Rage and the Edmonton Storm. It's going to be uh, a battle for who gets into the quarterfinals. And then you're going to get the, the Valkyrie, Riot, and the, uh, and the Valkyries once again. Uh, Valkyries owns, I believe, six titles almost six, seven titles, and the Riot have, I think, owned two titles. And then, uh, so it's going to be, this, these are the two best teams, basically, in, the, uh, in Canadian football right now. Um, not taken away from St. John's over in the Maritime, but that's uh, pretty much it. Um, 
Let's talk before we bring in Laura Brown of the uh, Minnesota Vixen. 20 years, celebrating 20 years just with like the New York Sharks. Laura Brown, uh, owner and head coach. And she's going to be coming on here in a couple minutes with us. And so we're going to be talking Minnesota Vixen Division Two. So, uh, Luis, the road for the Vixen in D2, they literally become the favorites. They, they first game, that 46-0 to zero shutout. So you know they're ready. Um, no slam in the way. Maybe Tampa Bay Inferno. Maybe New York Sharks. But it, this is, this is going to be a great uh, season for D2. Yeah, what do you think they went from D1 to D2? Just numbers? you think that's it? I'm or assuming we'll sustainability. Yeah, we'll ask yeah. her. But I think sustainability was probably the key. And I think that's a smart move because why would you try to go up when you know you can't meet that? It's the same thing yeah. with, you know, a D3 team trying to go to D2. If you're not going to maintain the numbers, you always have to take into account injuries as, as included. So even if you've got a roster of 25, you really have to think you only got a roster 18, you know, to be realistic. Right. So yeah, you got to kind of be realistic about it, you know, in terms of if something happens drastically during the eight weeks that you might not be competitive enough to do that. Um, same thing happened this past week. Okay. The Cleveland Pittsburgh game somehow became a scrimmage. They really played, uh, right? I, oh, well, they played, but I'm Wait, just saying happened? it became, a, a, it became a scrimmage in week one. When in reality it should have been a full game, so I don't know what happened there. I don't know if uh, yeah. Cleveland couldn't feel the team, and we decided to do that. Uh, the other game that was controversial that I was uh, 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 given information on was the the current Crusaders and the Inland Empire. Apparently, the Crusaders only had enough uh, players for an eight on eight. Uh, they agreed to an eight on eight, and then all of a sudden they beat the Inland Inland Empire. And then when the game is over, uh, the league decides that, that that game will be considered a forfeit and given to the Empire because they had 11 okay, 11. Is that official? Was that an official from as the far as I can tell, As far as I can okay. tell on the schedule, updated schedule, mm-hmm. it is shown as a forfeit. So confusion wow. there. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know what's going on there. Anyways, um, but going forward, from what I'm told by the Crusaders, forward they will fill they will field an 11 11 staff so I, I guess you get the one loss in week one confusing yeah which is also a little confusing because i read that and they were saying well now we have returning players and so i thought but they they also supposedly talked to three division one teams about playing eight and so i just think oh okay. yeah i know so i mean <laughs> either everybwas at starbucks and had too much coffee yeah. and didn't want to agree to anything. You know what I mean? We're all, it's not that flavor. I don't want that much whipped cream on my stuff. I know. <laughs> you know Wait, we lost. We lost yeah, to yeah. the eight on eight game. I will take <laughs> no coffee and just water. Thank you. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, I've changed my mind. Yeah, yeah I don't no. know. Uh, I but just, I don't know what's going uh, on there. But, you know, the, the Pittsburgh thing was surprising <laughs> uh, because uh, Cleveland was really hyped to come in and, and do good, but uh, it, it didn't happen. Um, so let's go into the No Joke Football Huddle. Once again, you get cool T-shirts, leggings, gifts. You can use daily codes up to 15% off and save big. You can also subscribe to Zazzle Black for about $10. You get free shipping. So go to Zazzle.com forward slash Beauties. And I want to thank everybody for uh, purchasing our shirts. 
Uh, we, got, we sold almost, uh, I think, seven shirts. Uh, so that's a lot of money. Uh, and we're going to be shipping out a couple more shirts to a, a, another talented two players on our wish list. So really, really thank you guys for supporting our cause, bringing awareness to sport. And uh, the slogan states what women's great iron is all about and is no joke football. So get it at Zazzle.com. All right. So let's bring in the owner and head coach of the uh, Minnesota Vixen, uh, Miss Laura Brown, in the house with the Great Iron Blitz. Hi, Laura. How are you doing today? Hi there. I'm doing great. Laura, Thanks for having me on. Laura, you're on with uh, championship quarterback, two-time champion IWFL quarterback, Louise Bean, which I'm pretty sure you're familiar with. Absolutely. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you doing? Good, good, good. We always talk about, I don't know if you hear Oscar's show a lot, but uh, we always for some reason, it's coming up three or four times how everyone uh, covets the fact that you guys have a uh, advertising case in your airport for your team. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's been something that's been fantastic for us. It's really helped the profile of the team a lot in the Twin Cities metro area. Oh, yeah. But we talk about it. Like, you've made the show probably four or five times already. Yeah, Just yeah, we definitely heard it uh, <laughs> pop up a little bit, so. Yeah, Laura, and Laura it's still, is my favorite, you know, one of my get... favorite girls on the show, by the way, just to let you know. No, What's that? <laughs> so Laura's one of my favorite girls on the show, just to let you know. There you Vixen. go. All right. <laughs> That's great. So, Laura, I wanted to bring you on because um, you just whomped 46 to 0 in week one. No, I'm not. I'm just kidding. No, um, because you and the Sharks are having the 20th anniversary and. You guys are having a, a Vikings women's camp coming up as well, right? Uh, that will be um, later on, like, this summer with the Vikings women's camp. But, yeah, we will be do- we're doing that again with them. And then we're actually doing a Vikings women's night at one of our home games this year again that we uh, started last year when we started building a relationship with them. So it's been kind of exciting to see some of those things grow. So um, the Super Bowl time, you guys are all out there? Yeah. At the malls, uh, getting press, uh, PR. Boy, you guys are working hard on Super Bowl during that Super Bowl event. Yeah, yeah the Super Bowl was a really fun time. The entire Twin Cities really just kind of came together and got energized for the events that were going on for that. We were, yeah, we were fortunate. We had, um, we reached out to some press and said, you know, because they're looking for all kinds of different angles with the Super Bowl stuff. And so we reached out and some of the press was happy to have us come in. We went out to Mall of America and did a couple of spotlights out there that just kind of like highlighted the team. And they actually turned out to be really, really well received. So like now our local media has actually invited us back before our home opener here to help promote that. And then also, which is great is that through our relationship with the Vikings, um, they reached out to some organizers for the Super Bowl, and they had us come down and kind of work on the Super Bowl fan experience. And we helped with one of the uh, flag football teams that the uh, the wives, significant others, and daughters of the NFL players come in and play a flag football team, uh, play football game every year. Sorry. And so we actually came in, brought uh, Kirsten Hansen, our quarterback, and San Barber, one of our tight ends, wide receivers, to kind of come in and put one on each team and just had a lot of fun. It was a really a, a fun day, and, and it was a lot of fun to be part of the Super Bowl experience. Um, the other thing that we did is we actually had about 30 people actually at the stadium that day that were actually working and, and helping out at the actual stadium. So a bunch of our 
uh, players and their friends and families got to actually be in the building for the Super Bowl. Laura, you're doing so many good stuff here in, in Minnesota. Your D2 is a question that Louise wanted to say. Why not D1, and why did we stay D2 for 2018? So we kind of felt like, you know, five years ago, um, this will be my fifth season as owner, we were kind of like a, a D3 team, and we kind of then jumped right over that D2 and went right into the D1 last year. And it was kind of a big jump for us, and we didn't really – take time to build a little bit more of a, a solid foundation um, and baby grew a little bit too fast and had a few too many growing pains. So what we wanted to do is back off a little bit, say, where are we at? Are we a D2 team? Are we a D1 team? Where do we fit in best right now? And, you know, we kind of straddle both. There's arguments to be said why we should be D1, why we should be D2. Um, we're looking at our roster size. You know, we still have a, a decent rostered size. Um, you know, we're dressing 45 for every game and have a few others, but you know how it is when it goes with injuries and everything like that. And I think uh, we have some great rookies that are coming in this year. So, I mean, this is just something that we want to use that D2 like it should be used for is, is, a, is a stepping stone to build the program with the ultimate goal is really being that high-level, competitive D1 team year after year that's going out for that championship. So, Laura, are you doing, like, practice squad at this point so you can feel the 30-man, 30 35 for the for the D2 requirement, but you're actually recruiting just to keep, a, like, a practice squad mentality, which is up to the 45? Um, we actually have – so what do we have right now? We have, we have 53 right now in the squad. Um, and so we don't really have a full practice squad. That's something that we've really kind of um, started looking at other teams' models and something like that, and I think that's something – where we can eventually get to. Um, I think the Twin Cities, there's enough, you know, female engagement that want to be part of this sport that we, we could have a practice squad. Um, I think the whole sport of women's football is, is growing. I mean, look at how many new teams we're seeing pop up, you know, or if there's an area like Milwaukee with the Dragons, you know, where that area in Wisconsin lost a football team. Didn't, it only took a couple years before, you know, that market wanted a team back. And so it just shows you that the popularity um, of women's football has really been growing. I mean, it's not going away anytime soon. I'll, I'll, I'll pass it over to um, Louise here to throw some questions at you. Sure. Yeah. Hey, so a um, couple questions. Now, did, he said that you were the head coach. You're the head coach this year as well? Yeah. Yeah, I stepped into the role of the head coach. Um, our, our head coach from last year had to um, step down, so – um, you know, I, I looked around the staff we had, and our staff is really great. Uh, I was playing. Um, unfortunately, I spent a couple years on the injury reserve, but I have I have a coaching background and also um, a co- uh, have done things with training. I used to work as a corporate trainer, and then also have taught like college level courses. So I really love, you know, explaining things and kind of going over that. And have worked in management and leadership. And so when I thought about, I actually sat down and started writing down all my questions for what I was going to do when I was going to start interviewing head coach candidates. Um, And as I got into that process, I kind of thought pretty clearly, I knew what I wanted from a coaching staff and I knew um, what, how I wanted my head coach to kind of set the tone, the the tone and expectations from the team. And that's really the key role of the head coach is to do that. And then also to lead the other coaches. Um, whether or not, you know, it's, there's a lot of football knowledge along that goes with that. 
Um, but then I sat down and I thought, you know, this is something that I have a pretty clear vision for, and I think it's, it's been a good role for me. I've been on, like I said, an injured reserve for a couple of years, kind of got a little bit more of that, that coaching buzz, and I just keep learning more and more football knowledge every day. And I have a fantastic staff. We got um, Danny Ekstrand, Coach Ekstrand, who's been with the team now for three years as our wide receivers coach, and uh, he's really stepped into the role of offensive coordinator. And um, one of our other coaches who's been around since I became owner is actually uh, stepped into the role of assistant head coach too. And, and then we also have uh, Nick Leach as our defensive coordinator and Adam Griffith, who's been here for, gosh, longer than me. I want to say this is probably Adam's at least 10th season with the team. And so together that kind of, you know, head coach, assistant head coach, coordinator level, seems like it's kind of clicking, bringing all of that together this year. So it's been kind of exciting. It was uh, it was good to get our first game out of the role, you know out of the way and kind of kind of see what, what we can do as a team, especially well, with all the snow we've like... had up here. Oh gosh, yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just came from practice right now. We practiced in the snow again tonight. It's just unbelievable. Oh, yeah. I think this is the coldest spring that we've ever had. So. Oh, yeah, we've had, because I live in Montana, and they said this is one of the harder winters. Now, this is my first winter here, but, uh, I mean, I came from Utah, so it's not like you're not used to cold. But, yeah, when you're mid-April, you're feeling like it should be spring. Um, Yeah, exactly, exactly. So was it hard? So had you been coaching at all up to this point uh, for your team? Um, Basically, when I was injured, I kind of took a – kind of almost, in, I'd say, somewhat a little bit of an assistant role. I wanted to be, it's always tricky when you're the owner and a player dealing with that dynamic, but then also, right. you know, I'm an owner, now I'm an injured player, and I still want my, you know, coaches to, to own things, but as an, you know, as an owner, I still, you know, would guide the coaches through things and be like, hey, you know, I know you, I noticed you talked to these players, you could have this approach like this, or I really loved how you talked to this player, you know, and things like that. Um, And then also, I always just really believe in veteran players helping other players out. You know, there's a lot of times when you can, you might be able to relate, especially since most of us are learning this sport as an adult. Um, I know I coached soccer for a while, and I had trouble coaching young kids at soccer because I don't really remember how I learned to kick. And I don't really think about where I plant my foot or my mechanics. I just do it with such muscle memory so it's kind of hard for me to explain to people what I'm doing, but things that I've learned as an adult now, particularly football, it's easy for me to relate my thinking process. Like, what, what was I thinking when I learned to do a three-point stance for the O-line and things like that? So those are some things that I've really been able to bring in, and those are things that I, I encourage a lot of our veteran players to, you know, help, help correct players as they see them go through down the line, give them little tips and like that. When our offense is going against our defense, you know, if you're a defensive player and you see a tell that our offensive linemen doing all the time, tell them about it. You know, educate them, teach them. So, um, but otherwise, besides that, I you know didn't have any official role as a coach with the, the team before. So yeah, that can that can be a big step. But it sounded like you yep. had prepared yourself for it and that kind of thing. Um, was it hard to? Did the WFA have any problems with the fact of that you guys had such a large roster, but you wanted to go to Division Two? Because I know Portland out here has like 22 players in their Division One, 
And so I know they yeah. have the guidelines for the WFA, but how strict are they on those guidelines? It seems like they're not really strict. It just seems like whatever a team wants to do. Yeah, so I think as long as you have a well thought out about why you want to do it and what fits best for you. Um, okay. Because when it comes down to it, yes, we're all part of the WFA, and, you know, we need to advance the sport and everything, but we also, the best way to do that is by taking care of your own business and making sure that you're doing those responsible decisions so that your team can continue to, you know, not only survive, but to thrive. Um, you know, so, so, you know, I had some conversations with Lisa and kind of laid out my thought process and, and, you know, it makes sense for what we're doing. And I'm sure for Portland, it makes sense, you know, for what they're doing. Um, sure. And so I, I like I like the fact that, you know, the WFA is, you know, willing to work with us on it and have those conversations instead of just saying, nope, these are, these are strict rules and guidelines. You're either it or you're not. They're, you know, because we all sure. have very, you know, different situations. You know, you might have, uh, you know, um, you know, there might be somebody out there who has a larger roster and maybe could look like they could go maybe even from D3 to D2 or D2 to D1, but what's the level of the athlete that they have? Where can they really perform at and can they keep their athletes healthy throughout the entire season and so forth? So there's a lot more that, that kind of goes into it than just a straight roster number, you know. Um, you know, obviously, the more people you can get to tryouts, the more people you have on the team, the more likelihood you're going to find those players who are going to be able to translate, perform well on the field. Um, but sometimes, you know, it was, you just have to, you have to try them out and see how things go, train them in. We got, I think, I want to say tw- about 22 rookies this year. So even though we're dressing 45 for the game, we're still, still pretty heavy rookie-wise. Well, that's, that's great that they're willing to work with within those different parameters. Um, I've heard different rumors on how many girls can dress for one game. Uh, can you set me straight what the guidelines are? And then is the practice roster just your idea and how you want to build your girls, or is that something that the WFA has implemented? That's not a WFA thing, right? That's just no, something that you No, that is, that's okay. not a WFA thing. Um, the WFA, okay. um, as far as the way I understand it and what we're going by, is that we're allowed as a D2 team to dress 45 players on game day. Um, you can have as many as you want rostered. Um, so if you can have 80 people rostered, um, that's great, but you can only dress 45 on game day. And, and I think that kind of makes sense because we all know football's a tough sport, and any mm-hmm. sport really is going to come with injuries. I mean, you can twist your ankle doing track and field. So, you know, if you start if you start with 45 at the beginning of the season, I think we all pretty much know you're not going to dress 45 for the last game. And when you sure. add on top of that the challenges of staying healthy through a, a competitive contact sport, you also have to look at the fact that, you know, there's times where people can't get out of work. We've had military members who have to, you know, you, you know uh, have their, you know, service that they have to do and have, have the weekend that they have to be gone. So then when you start adding in those factors of things that are pulling away since these are not their full-time jobs, and you start adding that on, it, it makes sense to have, you know, a little bit more than 45. But, you know, I understand, too, the, the reasoning behind it is because otherwise, you know, everyone would just probably hang out at the D2 level. Yeah, you know, that's there, what there I needs was wondering, to be, yeah. Yeah, yeah, there needs to be incentive to, to be become that D1 team, you know. And so... Um, 
you know, and that's something that's definitely, you know, on our, on our list that we want to do. So. Yeah, definitely. All right. My last question. The rumor is yeah. your coaches get paid. True or false? Um, yeah, most of our coaches, we have paid our coaches in the past and, um, you know, it's nothing that would be competitive with what they might necessarily get if they were at, let's say, a, a, a thriving high school program. But we want okay. our coaches to know that, you know, we appreciate them and we try to just figure out whatever we can do for them, you know. And, of course, you know, also like loading them down with Vixen swag and things like that. But sure. I, I do think it's appropriate to, you know, find money for the coaches in the budget. So do they, when you travel your team, because obviously mm-hmm. girls have to pay a fee, but the coaches, yep. I'm assuming they get free travel. Um, yep. And then they... Uh, do you pay for their food as well on their travel uh, trips, or do yeah, they take care of that? They they get a they get a per diem and whatever okay. they want to do with that. You know, if they want to pack a lunch and and then uh, oh, okay. and then and you know and save the per diem whatever. But yeah, they do get a per diem for on the travel days. The coaches do. That's a good deal for them. And so does yeah. every coach get paid just on a different scale? Um, we do have a different scale, um, and, okay. and we in the past, no, we haven't paid every every level of coach. Um, okay. We try to do what we can. I think last year was the first year that I was able um, to kind of give every coach something by the end of the season. So, and then the the I should also say the per diem is just for like the away games when we travel. So. Right, 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 right. Yeah, I, I think yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. Well, that sounds like a lot of good stuff. Um, have you felt a hit from the other? WFA team, as far as your numbers, or because uh, when you guys went back to the WFA, how has that relationship been good, or is it more of a struggle? Because obviously there's different degrees of teams that are close to each other, and how that works out. Um, mm-hmm. So how's that been for you guys? Just with like the the number of teams in our area, or right? Because you have two Minnesota teams, aren't they both in the Twin Cities or near each other? Um, there right was there was two teams, but this year there's there's just us. The other team, oh, um, the machine. I've, yeah, the machine. I've I've heard some different things. They're definitely not playing this year. Um, whether okay. or not they'll resurface next year in some way, shape, or form, you know, obviously I I don't really have any information on that. But we are the only team up here in Minnesota right now. Oh, okay. So um, I missed that one. And then, then. you know we okay. got the Madison. It's not that far. We got Madison, Milwaukee. So the Midwest is actually doing. Uh, pretty all right actually okay well yeah I was my bad I thought you had because I knew there was the two teams last year and then yep. Yep. Uh, so what's your closest away game then uh, that would be Madison that we played this last weekend that's like a four hour drive okay and then I and think the, this weekend the furthest uh, Detroit uh, 11 hours one way okay so that's, that's going to be a long one that one's in a couple weeks and do you guys drive on buses? Do you take vans or do people fly? Well, I mean, I guess people could choose to fly, but as a, as a whole, yeah. do you take the team and do you do it on the bus? Okay. Yep, yeah, we do the motor coach bus for all the away yeah. games. And then, you know, sometimes people do have to fly for work or something like that, especially like the Detroit game. You know, some people have to get back and work. All right. And But they pay that on their own. The team doesn't take care of that, right? No, the team, the team we, we do the uh, rent the buses. Oh, you mean if they fly? Yeah, if they, they fly, fly, if, they, yeah. If, they can't, if they can't be on the team bus, then, yeah, they're responsible for their own transportation there. Okay. Yeah, I well, can't afford to fly well, everybody. 
<laughs> I know. <laughs> but I'm just checking because I different teams sometimes <laughs> will set a coach or uh, you know I don't know. Everyone's got different business models and different plans, and so yep. Well, yeah, good, there's a, good there's luck a lot with of your that. season. Good luck with your Thank season. Thank you very I'll much. Turn, Appreciate Turn that. it back to Oscar. Yeah. All right. All right, Laura, uh, the exciting uh, season coming up here, you got pretty much an opportunity to, you know, kind of run the table in a, in a lot of ways, especially with, you know, all the stuff that's happening in the first game here. But overall with personnel, like you said, you got 22 rookies, but you got some veterans still in place. The coaching staff you're talking about, pretty pretty well situated. Um, between you and New York and Andrea Douglas, so right after mm-hmm. the season, you will be the freestanding franchise historically. Twenty years be your twenty first season next next season. So, um, yep. what do you think of that change? Since uh, the Sharks are going to be no more. Yeah, that's kind of uh, it was kind of interesting because you know the Vixen and the Sharks played back in nineteen ninety nine. Um, the Vixen were a tackle team and the Sharks were a flag team and. The Sharks, uh, you know, threw on tackle equipment for the first time ever and had their first tackle game against the Vixens. So there's a ton of history there. Of course, we saw them um, a couple years ago when we played in the IWFL Eastern Championship, and that was the first time that the two teams had played since 1999, which is a little unbelievable if you think about it. Um, so, yeah, after this year, you know, we'll, we'll see. But, yeah, it, it looks like the Sharks are going to be – um, no more. So that means the, I guess the, the Vixens stand alone, kind of like the cheese stand alone. So um, I don't see the Vixens slowing down anytime soon. Um, there's always people who are willing to, to step in and keep things going. And, you know, I'm enjoying what I'm doing with the team and it just keeps growing. And it's, it's been such a great organization and it has such a positive influence on, on so many women and coaches and staff that are involved with it that I really don't see it going, going away anytime soon. Laura, how is this going to work for PR? You are basically going to become the oldest franchise North America, pretty much, right? Yeah. You will be considered yep. the yep. oldest franchise and you know and still running. So 20, mm-hmm. 21 years running. Um, so I yep. guess that's a good thing for for PR purposes, right? In terms of longevity. It's a good thing. Yeah, it's a good thing for PR, and it's a good thing also, you know, just for. You know, when we're talking to like, you know, potential sponsors or even just like working our relationship out like we, what we did with the Vikings women's group is that it shows that we're not something that's around here for one or two years and then we're going to be gone. You know, the team's been around 20 years, now 21 year, years next year. So, you know, it always does help with like PR. Um, the best thing that helps with PR, though, is winning. You know, when you're winning, people love you. <laughs> so um, that's the best thing that we can do for that. But otherwise... You know, um, it just it just helps to show that, you know, this sport can be done for women and it can be continued, you know, on in, in longevity and it can be exist and it can continue. So now uh, you guys go to Madison, rival, and literally route <laughs> Madison. So yep. uh, either they didn't, either they didn't never showed up at the stadium or you guys just were so thrilled to, for that ro- uh, bus ride. You guys just took care of business, but uh, <laughs> yeah, you know um, what I mean. Well, Madison can't be any yeah. better than forty-six to zero. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Well, Madison's always been a tough opponent. Um, I remember when I first took over as as owner, one of our goals was is just to beat Madison once. You know, and then and then we hit that goal, and then our goal was we want to sweep the series. We want to win both home and away. 
So that was pretty sweet when we were able to do that. You know, Madison, they, they played with a lot of heart. Um, they didn't have a lot of uh, gals on the roster. Uh, I'm not sure they have 18 on the roster, but I don't think that they were able to have the full 18 on the sideline on Saturday. So that's that's a tough position to be in when you start having players going both ways. And um, But those those gals, boy, they played hard and they, they played tough and they, they left it out, all out on the field on, on Saturday. I got nothing but respect for Madison. And um, we always love playing them because we have such a great relationship with them. It's, you know, it's that, that friendly rivalry. I mean, obviously we both want to win, um, but we want to both do it the right way. Now you got Wisconsin. You guys uh, are what Wisconsin, right? Next is the Dragons yep. coming up. Well, um, Wisconsin so they, Dragons, yeah. So you guys With are on the road Stephen. two weeks in a row, and Kansas City yep, just put a whipping on them, just like you uh, you guys did to Madison here. So, um, yep. Kansas City, you guys met last year, and you got to see the phenom Brooke Leash uh, in that game, and obviously she didn't really finish the game at that point because. Obviously, Minnesota D took care of that problem. Um, but uh, reality is she's going to be back. Uh, is Kansas yep. City something that is a, a measure for you guys as well? Um, you know, it's it's going to be an interesting, you know, we got the Dragons coming up, and then the Kansas City is our home opener. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what Kansas City has changed this year and what kind of new challenges they have for us. Um, our defense is probably as strong as ever, so I have a lot of, of faith in the defense that we have. Um, you know, Brooke, I'm sure she's got a, another year under her belt as being quarterback because I think she she played last fall again um, with the boys, I believe, correct? Um, so yes, she did. So she has more experience, and she's just going to get better and better as a quarterback. And I'm sure they've got new talent on their team, just like we have new rookies, so you can just never, never underestimate them. But... You know, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself because we got to play the Dragons first. And, um, you know, McGee Steffens, I actually played with her my rookie year with the Vixen. She was actually one of our teammates. And uh, she, she was a great running back when she was on our team. And so we're going to have our, our hands full. Um, I think she's going to run a good organization out there. So we're excited to, to get out there and, and see how week two goes. Now you got a stable quarterback. Uh, Kirsten yep. still is coming back, so um, yeah, I think that's the, third year. that's the game. Yeah, that's the game that I'm looking forward to. Uh, you know, the the young quarterback versus the veteran quarterback in week three. I think everybody kind of pencils that in because it was a, a good matchup uh, last year as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the the slam is no longer, so um, yep. the slam is no longer at this point, and Tampa Bay knows about that because that was one of their obstacles last year. <laughs> and so at this yeah. point, you know, everybody's shooting for uh, an open, wide open playoffs this year because uh, you guys are in the running. The Sharks are probably in the running. Uh, Tampa Bay knows exactly where it needs to get to the next level because they've missed out on the championship twice. Um, so mm-hmm. how positive at this point you are in terms of getting to the final run? You think that's, that's a, I mean, that's everybody's goal, but it's pretty attainable, I think, given your defense has played so well last year and then obviously continues to do this year. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think it is. I mean, you know, the Slam obviously, you know, had a couple of D2 championships there, and we actually did lose to the Slam last year, but it was a hard-fought game. Um, We kind of beat ourselves in many ways, and so I think as long as we play Vixen football and we play our tough defense that we're known for and – 
we don't make mistakes and things like that, I think, yeah, I think it can be a, a good season for us. Um, that first home game against the Titans might be one of our, our real first um, first inclinations on how our season's going to go. Um, we'll also see how we're doing against against the uh, Dragons. You know, one of the challenges that we've had this year is that there's a lot of snow up here, and it's not nice, white, fluffy snow that you can go out and, you know, play football in and dive in. I mean, it's, it's icy and it's slippery. So, you know, we've only been able to be outside um, a handful of times. And so we've been fortunate a couple times to be out on turf so that our, our uh, rookies can kind of see where hash marks go and lines and things like that. But, um, yeah, I think that Kansas City game is going to be a key one for us. And, I mean, like I said, if we just don't make errors this season and just make sure that we're, we're keeping track of ourselves and play some tough defense, I think there's a, there's a good chance. It'd be, uh, it'd be fun, actually, to see New York in that championship game because I think if I remember everything correctly, um, that's the first time that we would see them would potentially be at a D2 championship game. Uh, yeah, that's correct. Um, and they, get, yep. they barely squeezed by Baltimore this weekend, 38-34. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it was a tough battle for New York this this weekend against the the Nighthawks and Nighthawks always play really good ball so that was yeah, somewhat do. of a you know they they start off on the right foot as well for their finale as they're calling it their last season <laughs> um, but yep. the, they're they're headed that route um, so Laura the the status at stability of a defense you got the great uh, you know returning uh, veteran quarterback um, that solidifies. Mm-hmm you as maybe front runners and a lot of us are picking that because of what you finished last year as well um so being in d2 i think there's an advantage there anybody that you see on your schedule here that is i mean you can't get ahead of wisconsin here but uh kansas city twice um the the biggest the biggest obstacle or challenger last year was it kansas city or was someone else that you think on your schedule last year well, last year, I mean, we had yeah. Kansas City twice. We had the St. Louis Slam once, and then we had the Chicago Force once. Um, so last year, you know, especially, you know, the Force, you know, was always a tough team to beat. Um, the St. Louis Slam, you know, won the D2 championship last year. Um, you know, this year we're seeing opponents we're not familiar with. You know, the Wisconsin Dragons are a new squad or a returning squad at least, and I'm sure they have plenty of new players on there. And then we're playing the Columbus Vanguards and the Detroit Dark Angels, which, as far as I know, in the history of the Vixen, I don't think the Dark Angels and the Vixen have ever met. And so one of the things that I think is going to be a good challenge for this year is, is meeting and playing a lot of new opponents that, that we haven't seen before. And it looks to me like that's going to be uh, pretty nice because you have, I think, Wisconsin twice on your schedule, and you guys are yep. finishing up on uh, – you guys are finishing up in Kansas, uh, in Kansas City oh, for the la- for the correct. season finale as well. So um, yeah, that's correct. That's that's going to be pretty awesome. Yeah, I'm I'm excited. Uh, we got a, a good good schedule this year. We got a good squad, good coaching staff. Um, yeah, I think it's something that you know we don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but it's something that you know we we want that championship. Everybody does every season when they start, right? We don't play these games to lose. So we only play them to win, and so that's that's our ultimate goal is to go out there and win some football games. So now, um, are you doing town? Is town town square cover, making coverage for you on the home games as well, uh, starting on uh, the twenty first again? Yep, 
Absolutely. Um, they've been phenomenal. That's been another thing that's been really great for our organization is we just reached out to the, the local television uh, community here and, um, you know, they said, well, we'll give it a try. And they came out and um, it's, as far as I know, is we've been their some of their highest ranking television shows that they've ever had. And so it's been a, a really great win-win relationship that we have with them. And so they will be live web streaming all of our home games again this year. So everyone will be able to just go to our website and follow the link and watch all the, the games live. And they do a fantastic job because it's not just, you know, one camera out there. You know, they show up with three cameras. They have instant replay. They have, you know, someone doing play-by-play and someone else doing color analysis. So, um, and they try to do what they can to, to study up a little bit on the league and, and learn a little bit about these players and, and what's going on between the teams. So it, it adds a lot to the fan experience. So, and then, um, so and then they, might, Tom, they Tom might try Spur. to do a little live Facebook. What's that? No, I'm saying it's going to be the 21st is your first one, and then you have, I believe, Correct. May 5th, May 19th, yep. and June 2nd. And June 2nd, yep. Yeah, so you guys are going to yeah. be pretty so much – and then you get, you get Madison and Madison and Wisconsin for the, the home-and-home, home, right, the, the, the rivalry back and Correct. forth, the, the away and the home. Yeah. Yep, and then so the Columbus awesome. Vanguards on the 5th. Yeah, it's yeah, going to be a good season. Yeah, going to be a good another good season for us um you know town square has been great um you know we're back at the same field that we've been at at simley high school and that's been a great field they put brand new turf in i believe it was three years ago so in that that community that's something that we did is really got involved in that community and then the other thing that's actually been really helpful and has grown a lot is uh we have a partnership um with one of the local schools here uh, northwestern health sciences university and they do like the chiropractic acupuncture and massage and stuff like that. And so we got them on all our sidelines for the game. Um, there are integrative healthcare sports medicine and, and it's been a big asset to the team actually. So I should give them a shout out because they're the ones who are really keeping the, the athletes healthy and not only taking care of them when they get injured, but really focusing on preventing those injuries. And you got a couple of players back, uh, veteran players, obviously, uh, Jody and Michelle for back. Yep. Um, so that solidifies a solid leadership there in terms of, yep. you know, uh, the offensive line and the linebacker core. So uh, that's going to be yep. a key. I mean, to blow out, to go out first week, 46 to zero, uh, unless, like you said, unless Madison wasn't really prepared to come in. And that's a, a, kind of a question a lot of people have is there's a couple of teams that play, they're playing scrimmages ahead of the season just to get some sort of, uh, you know, uh, game day reality. And it doesn't happen for mm-hmm. everybody. So sometimes it takes the team, what, one or two weeks before they really get into a groove uh, and then, you know, start settling in. So um, I'm assuming Madison will be that type of situation. But uh, 46 to zero, you, you know, you take care of business week one. Now you're going to go uh, take on Wisconsin. Um, so it's going to be a great matchup this coming weekend. Um, can you let everybody know where they can get a hold of you on the social sites, get tickets for the uh, April 21st game? Uh, sure. Um, the tickets, you can just go onto our website, which is just mnvixen.com, and you can get um, by, by tickets there. There's a link that you can take that will have active um, where you can get those tickets. We actually got our season tickets for sale right now, so if anyone wants to pick up season tickets to save themselves a little bit of money, um, but also that's your, our website too, and that's where you'll find the link 
um, on there if you want to just watch the live web stream, just uh, mnvixen.com. And then, of course, you can always find us. You know, I'm sure most people have seen us on Facebook. And then Twitter, as we try to do a lot of Twitter updates and um, during the game to kind of let the fans know what's going on, too. Awesome. And you guys are uh, – uh, you guys can email the team at info at mnvixen.com, right? Info at mnvixen.com. Yep. So any player interested yep, info, in some yep. sort of uh, organizational thing. Um yeah, so it sounds like you're up and running. And... Oh, sounds like you're up and running in week one. I mean, you had a, a great outing. Um, any any players of notability that we should know about that they're going to show up on that week one stat once the uh, the stats are put together? Um, boy, there's always you know we have our um, you know of course you talked about Kirsten. Kirsten had a great game. Um, I think she had four touchdowns, no interceptions. So that's always fantastic. She has a great head on her shoulders as a quarterback, and it's always it's always wonderful to have someone back there who's making smart decisions and a great leader of the team. Um, we have our offensive line. Maria Beck is our center this year. She's been with the team. I want to say this is maybe her seventh year playing, and she's one of our captains, and she's kind of helping to, to anchor that, that line as well. Um, our running backs had an outstanding um, game. Grace Cooper, who is our returning running back from last year, had a wonderful game um, with two touchdowns and broke a couple um, for TDs. And then this year, after taking a year off, we actually have uh, Jeannie, which uh, otherwise known as Tank Nelson, that's back. And so having them as the running back core kind of hitting that one-two punch really helps a lot. And then, of course, you know, Sam Barber led the league in receptions last year for the WFA, so we got her mm-hmm. and uh, the receiving core out there. So we actually – we've been really fortunate where, you know, we have a lot of rookies, but we kept that, that main core, you know, and then I, I just got to mention, you know, on the defensive side of the ball, we got red Bryant, you know, this is her, her 20th season that red's been out there and you put her at nose tackle and she just, you know, she demands a double team almost every single play and she's still a playmaker. You know, she, she caused a fumble and recovered a fumble in the game against Madison. And so it's been 20 years and she's not really slowing down. You know, and then we have, you know, a lot of other veteran players like Emily Evans and Angela Griffin and, of course, Michelle Brown and, uh, you know, Drew Barber. You know, we got a lot of people that are getting up there um, with their years of experience, which is just invaluable to have in this sport. Laura, you see any of those veterans going into the coaching realm as well? Uh, have they have any of those uh, folks interested in going to the forums out there where a, a lot of the other players have gone to the U.S.? you know, the forms where uh, uh, Sam has put together in terms for internships and stuff like that? Well, that that way I don't, I'm don't. i not sure of. Um, we did have, you know, with the Women's World Football Games and USA Football, they always have a coaching track. And um, not this year, but the year prior, you know, I myself, one of my other players, Sheena Reed, and then uh, Jody Moose-Raylander actually went down there and all three of us did the coaching track. Um, you know, I think – I mean, I hate to speak for Moose, but, you know, I think Moose would love to get into coaching. She's done some flag football coaching. Um, if you love the sport, you want to be around it and you want to be involved in it. And a lot of our veteran players already are, are helping out. You know, tonight, you know, Michelle Brown kind of was really helping out, explaining some stuff to our old line. So I think it's something that um, for these long-term players, it's a, a natural progression for them. Now, you get you and the Sharks at that you know, that classic battle. So I think, you know, we're looking forward to that 
that end at the end here, if that comes about, that would be such a cool thing to have. Sharks Vixen for a D2 yeah, you know, title be. swing. Would not be a finish know, for the you know, for yeah. 20th, 21st. That would be so awesome to have. And I'm pretty sure Andrea would be looking forward to that as well. Sort of like yeah. a, you know, and that would be, that would be great. Like we talked about before marketing and PR, you got these two teams that have been around for 20 years and, and battling it out. And when we played them a couple of years ago, they're, they're a tough team. I mean, you know, that, that game went into double overtime. I mean, it could have oh, easily yeah. gone either way. And we were fortunate enough that, that we came out on top, but it looked like the Sharks were, was going to take it there for a while. So um, I think that would be a fun game to watch. I mean, I still hear from fans who, you know, of course they talk about the pick six, but this fans who just come back and saying it was a fun game to watch. You know, um, you know, it's always great to go in there and route your opponent and, and dominate the field, but that's not always what the fans enjoy. You know, as a coaching staff, we don't always want to see the score slipping back and forth and, and each team taking the lead, but it does make for a great fan experience. Yeah, and you know what? That was a, a classic, if you want to consider it that. It, that was a very, very awesome classic. Sort of NFL-like that you would see in a playoff mode where close games come down to the end and, uh, and Karen Mulligan is back, from what I'm told. <laughs> she's yeah, not retired yet. From what I hear. So, so you, yeah. there you go. So she's still there. And, and there was a bunch of New York Sharks, uh, former players that apparently came back this year for the final season. So we could see that Vixen Sharks in the end. So that would be awesome to see. Um, Laura, thanks yeah, for making the time today. I know I reached out to you earlier, and I know you're busy. And we're trying to make an arrangement date and all that stuff. So. Uh, no, so no. I really appreciate you coming on and talking Vixen football, especially after week one, big, big time win here. So we're looking forward to week two this coming week against the Wisconsin Dragons and see if you can keep that winning streak going. Well, we'll do our best and uh, really appreciate you reaching out to me and in, involving the Vixen and everything that you basically do for women's football. It's, uh, it's great that we have forums like this out there and that we can continue to grow the sport. Yeah, I, I'm very excited for you guys this season. Uh, I, you know, uh, Crystal Ninas, uh, last, you know, last year, and then you got Jody back, Michelle's back, um, you know, yep. first speed ahead. I'm looking forward to the Town mm-hmm. Square broadcast. So really looking forward to that 21st. Uh, our Phenom, uh, we're sponsoring our Phenom, of course, and that's, well, that's why I mentioned her, because uh, yep. you're the first, that first class that she, the big test for her. And I, she knows last year what happened so i'm pretty sure like you said she's she's going to be pretty ready to come in and be as competitive as she can be yeah yeah i would expect nothing less from her all right laura thank you for uh, making the time today um you guys can go to uh the uh, mmvixen.com get tickets now for the uh home games 21st that's going to be against uh, i believe kansas city so it's going to be a big matchup game division two wfa and so I uh, look forward to that. So, Laura, thanks for making the time today. I right, will be in contact. We'll see if we can chime in right before the end of the season and see where, see where you guys are standing in terms of a playoff format. Great. Sounds awesome. Thank you so much for having me on. All right, Laura, have a great uh, night, safe travels, and we'll, we'll, we'll touch base at a later time in this coming eight weeks. Thanks, Oscar. Bye. All right, guys, that was Laura Brown, and uh, she is the owner and head coach of the Minnesota Vixen. Minnesota comes off a week one, 46-0 victory over Madison Blaze. Uh, wow. So uh, she's ready. 
uh, we're ready to see Vixen New York Sharks at the end uh, here in the uh, D2 uh, playoffs. And uh, the way things are going, it could happen. New York took care of business uh, in a hard-fought battle against Baltimore. And that was 38-34. If you guys want to get the lowdown on everything that's going on in the uh, WFA, you can go to WFAProFootball.com. Go to the tab there, and you're going to get the lowdown on the games there. Um, You can pretty much get to see all the scores updated on there. You can go to our Facebook page as well. We've updated that as well. So you can go to WFAProFootball.com. The IWFL has updated their schedule. Check out IWFLSports.com and check out the Week 2 matchups as well. And we'll be highlighting some of those on our Facebook page as well. Uh, Mark Stafari came in, give us uh, some insights on the WWCFL that we were talking about today, focused on that. Uh, Week two is you want to circle on your calendar for WWCFL action and week five, because that's when the riot Valkyrie, Valkyrie riot matchups are going to be happening. So really awesome. And then week two, also you have Calgary rage taking on the Edmonton storm, Uh, same concept in week five. So really crucial matchups in those two weeks. So we're looking forward to uh, the WWCFL kickoff. It's May 5th. Their championship is June 22nd. Uh, their quarterfinals start on the 9th and 10th. Their uh, conference finals, 16th and 17th. So um, we'll be following those close by. Week two, USWSFL, the Pumas, 36-0 to versus the Carolina Queens. You can uh, go to our Facebook page now. You can watch the full game via YouTube there as well. And that was a pretty exciting game that happened. So 36-0, to zero, the Pumas. You can get uh, all the information at USWFL Football on Twitter as well. The XFFL out of Texas, week six. The Generals uh, are the top dog in this, in this league. And uh, the Warhawks uh, get beat by the Divas, 35-6. to six. Divas second ranking, power rankings after week six. And then the general secure business 34-18 versus the Wonder Woman. Uh, the uh, Empire care of the Spartans, 27-12. to 12. Uh, You can check out the uh, big-time big, big time promo video from the generals there. Um, and you can go there on our Facebook page and check it out as well. Crusaders take care of the Croydon Rangers in Gridiron Victoria, 22-8. to eight. And we were talking about the upset here, 6-1 and one Crusaders. Six and one Rangers. They take down uh, Bliss Love and the Court Rangers there. The Melton Wolves, congratulations to them. 68 to zero. They take care of Monish Warriors. Uh, the Ballarat Kessels fall to the Raiders 34 to 14. Week two here in Gridiron Victoria is going to be a very crucial matchup here. Croyton Raiders. They are going to be neck and neck here. Very important for the Raiders if they can get the big win here. It sets up a three-way matchup here, very contested Gridiron Victoria uh, ending here. So we're looking at Croydon Rangers taking on the uh, North uh, Lady Raiders. The other matchup is going to be the Crusaders taking on Melton. Melton coming off that big 68-0 win. Can they keep up and maintain with uh, the Western Crusaders? Ayla Cook out there and Grace Power in the Western Crusaders. So, Big matchup week two here in Gridiron Victoria. The other uh, matchups uh, we had was you can uh, go to our Facebook page and check out the Boston Renegades versus the Philadelphia Phantoms. Uh, there's a replay on our Facebook page. There's also an article by the Boston um, Renegades site. 
so you can check it out there as well. And uh, it's going to be pretty awesome. Uh, WFA Week 2 as well. Uh, let me check the schedule here and get it back going here. WFA. And get it done. So to um, Orlando, I was going to mention Orlando 55-0 to zero in D3 against the Daytona Wave Riders. Uh, the Arkansas Wildcats did win their matchup. Uh, I believe it was 62-0, to zero, their opening matchup. So the champs in good standing there. So let me get that thing up and running here. Be one second. Schedule here of what's on the game slates here coming up next week for the WFA. And if you, you guys haven't checked out um, the Burmy Brains article, that was preview one, week one, and at Backseat Coach uh, articles as well on the WFAProFootball.com site. Very insightful, both of them, uh, Michael Burmy and uh, Mark Simon. So check it out, and that gives you a preview of, of the week one matchups. So the uh, Renegades, 21-12, uh, to 12, taking on, uh, defeated the Philly Phantoms. The Sharks, 38-34 to 34 versus a tough Baltimore Nighthawks squad. Um, the Richmond Widows, Black Widows, 24, the Maine Mayhem, 0. A lot of donuts in week one. It's always expected that way. The Pittsburgh Passion and the Cleveland Fusion, apparently that's a forfeit. Uh, I don't know what the situation there was between Cleveland and Pittsburgh. We'll find that out as things progress here in week two. Uh, Columbus falls to the Dark Angels. The Dark Angels uh, edge Columbus here. Very good clash right there. The two teams, very, very top-notch two teams. Toledo Reign takes care of business. 32 in a route of Grand Rapids tidal waves in their inaugural season here. Flint City Riveters get beaten by the Columbus Vanguards 45-0. to this is the team that um, Laura was talking about here. Uh, the Vanguard's pretty decent team. We'll see what they do in, in week one and week two because they get to face uh, the Vixen, in a, I believe it's week four. So that's going to be pretty interesting to see how these, this Columbus Vanguard's team does as well. Uh, the Phoenix fall to the Dixie Blues 34-8. to It's kind of surprising there, um, but the Jacksonville dis, does get the win 34-8. to uh, the matchup that we talked about, uh, Donita Hines, she was looking forward to. Cincinnati Sizzle taking on the Mi- Music City Misfits. Uh, Sizzle take care of business. Uh, uh, Tamara Fennell out there, former LFL Chicago Bliss uh, star, 16 to 0. Uh, I mean, 16 to 6. And uh, she becomes the Cincinnati Sizzle all time uh, scorer and running back. Uh, so, congratulations to her as well. Then we have the South Carolina smash uh, opening up 28 to zero against Knoxville, the return of the Alabama fire 18 to six, and they get, they take care of Derby city uh, at Derby city on the road. Fire look really good. Tampa Bay Inferno from the, uh, the week prior to that, they get edged by the Atlanta Phoenix. So their first loss of the season, Orlando, the runner up of D three last year, 55 to zero. Uh, they defeat Daytona Wave Runners. And then uh, the Titans and Phenom Brook Leash uh, take care of the Wisconsin Dragons, 47-6 to at their home opener. Um, and then you got the Vixen that we just talked to Laura about, 46-0 against Madison. Uh, Arkansas, 62-0, the D- D3 champions, taking on Arcadania Zitico. And then uh, Arlington Impact take care of the Houston Power, 64-0. 
Dallas Elite uh, right out of the box. <laughs> we thought they'd miss a beat. They did not miss a beat. Uh, the Ellington's and company there, Dallas Elite, 47-0. to zero. They take care of uh, Austin Outlaws. So as tradition would have it, they continue to roll. Uh, the Portland Fighting Shockwave, 31-0 to zero against the Tacoma Trauma. So Portland really looking this year to get into it. Uh, given last year they were kind of ousted because of all the playoff implications, uh, I have no doubt that this Shockwave team is out for vengeance, and they want to get into that playoff round this year. Uh, Utah Wildcats and the Utah Blitz was forfeited. Uh, Roswell Destroyers get destroyed by the Mile High Blaze. Last year, everybody mocked Mile High because of their schedule, uh, but that's, you know you can't do anything but play the schedule. So congratulations to the Blaze for uh, their route, their 70-0 route of Roswell Destroyers. So Roswell's got work to do. they got to go back and figure things out. Um, the big class matchup I think that you're looking at, that I was looking at, uh, La Muerte de las Cruces edges Colorado Freeze 14-12. to 12. Very, very defensive game there. Very nicely done. Uh, good, two, two good teams there, up-and-coming good teams. So if they can keep it up, we'll see how they, the next two weeks play by here in terms of how they maintain the low scoring of anything that would be uh, you know, kind of indicative of what their defenses are like. So, but they played a very tough game, 14 to 12. They edge uh, Las Muertes, Las Cruces, take care of the Colorado Freeze. The Rocky Mountain Thundercats, uh, 36 to zero route of the Santa Fe Dukes. The Rebellion out there, uh, NG Martin and company, uh, they make their debut, 20 to six, taking care of, uh, care of Capital City Rage, 20 to six. So they're up and running. Um, so this is the former North County Stars pretty much squad now in the WFA. So uh, there you are, San Diego Rebellion, first win in franchise history, 20-6. Then the uh, Sin City Trojans, 36-0 against the Ventura Wolfpack. And then you had the Inland Empire. Uh, this was the, the conversation we had earlier in the hour. Apparently, Kern County, uh, Kern, Kern County Crusaders had – uh, had recommended an eight-on-eight matchup. They agreed to it. Inland agreed to it. And then eventually they, uh, the Crusaders beat the Empire Ravens. And all of a sudden, the league decides that, okay, because they weren't a full 11-on-11, that apparently that's an issue and that this game would have to be forfeited and given to the Ravens. So uh, that's, uh, I don't know. Uh, you guys can decide that as listeners, as whether that's right or wrong. But uh, in reality, I think this game should have never been played. If you can't full can't sustain a full roster, don't agree to it, and shouldn't be played. And that way, you would just had the one one forfeit uh, for the season. But uh, then uh, week two matchups that we're looking forward to here, uh, it's going to be New York Sharks taking on Philly Phantoms. Phantoms coming off that loss to Boston. New York coming off that just barely squeaked by uh, Baltimore Nighthawks. Should be a great matchup in D2 here. DC Divas and Renegades, that should be the game of the week here as you take care of that Boston coming off the first week, win, uh, DC just first, first, win, uh, first week out. And it's always a clash. So you're looking at Amanda Congolari taking on the legendary Allison out there, Cahill in, uh, in Boston. So we'll, that's going to be the key match up there, Boston, DC. If you want to watch anything, that would be the one to keep an eye on. Uh, the other games that we're looking forward to is uh, the Cleveland Fusion, I'm kind of interested to see how they're going to come out of the box here after the week one scrimmage. 
and they're taking on Grand Rapids Tidal Waves, which um, I'm assuming at this point that should be a win for them. Then the Battle of Columbus. Vanguard's out of the box. Columbus. Uh, so that's going to be a battle right there, Ohio. Columbus. Uh, Columbus Vanguards versus Columbus Comets. So um, actually two different Columbuses, but the two teams are the same name. Same name. And then we have Toledo Rain taking on Flint City Riveters. So we'll see how that works out. And the battle that we want to second second matchup of the week is the Atlanta Phoenix taking on the Alabama Fire. Is a Southern uh, rivalry matchup. It's going to be pretty good. Baltimore taking on Carolina. Carolina needs to either rebound here or Baltimore. The way they played in the first week, Baltimore's going to get their must win their win in in week two, which they played really well against New York. So the Nighthawks have been uh, top notch. So Carolina, it's really up to them whether they want to salvage their season here in, in early in the season. The Sizzle take on the Detroit Dark Angels. Very crucial matchup here. Sizzle win week one. Detroit week one. Who's going to lose? Who's going to end up losing here? Um, you got uh, Miami Fury taking on Tampa Bay Inferno in D2. You got Kansas City taking on the Madison Blaze. That's going to be a great matchup. Uh, you got the shot. Uh, what do we have here? The next. Yeah. The, uh, the Warriors. Uh, out of the box here, taking on Sin City Trojans. I believe that game was has been canceled, but I will double check on that. And you have Mile High Blaze taking on Utah Blaze, a uh, Utah Blitz. Mile High is going for their second win. Everett against Tacoma, always an interesting matchup in the Northwest. So that is the WFA weekend for April 14. 24 games on the slate. Uh, you guys can keep up on the scoring via score stream on the WFA website at WFAProFootball.com. So you go under the links there, and you can keep it up with the live scores. Go under Game Info tab, Live Score Updates, and that's done by Score uh, score Stream, and it's going to keep you up to date on that. So that's the uh, WFA scoreboard as well. So um, all the other things in Women's Gridiron, keep up with it on our Facebook page at Gridiron Beauties, and you can always go in there every week, check it out. We're pretty much all over the map. So uh, Facebook page for weekly updates, breaking news, and inspiring stories. You follow us on Twitter for daily updates, health tips, and NFL news. You can add us on Snapchat at Gridiron Beauty for athlete takeovers and Nojo football brand specials. Visit us on Instagram for amazing athletes and moments in women's American football. And don't forget to, be- to follow the best podcast covering women's American football right here. You're listening to it right here on Block Talk Radio. And Subscribe to our Apple Podcasts. Follow us on our Twitter. So for uh, Oscar Lopez, for our guest, Laura Brown of the Minnesota Vixen, and for Mark Stafari coming in here to talk WWCFL, we'll catch you here next week right here on Apple Podcasts and Block Talk Radio on the Great Iron Blitz. Have a great night, everybody.